It's Wednesday, March 31st, 2021, baseball opening day eve, Chet. Welcome to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable brought to you by the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorne, PA, and Allstate Insurance in Westchester, PA. I'm Bill Furman. I'll be host tonight along with my partner, Jim Chet Chesko. And hey, Chet, the Phillies made a couple interesting roster moves to open the season. The Flyers waived Shane Gosses bear approaching the trade deadline and got some more moves made today. Sixers have continued to play well, but now we're in a first-place tie. The Eagles traded back in the first round. The NFL added an additional game to the schedule. Another very busy week in Philly sports. Yeah, uh, Bill, all four Philly teams making headlines over the past week. The Sixers winding down that West Coast trip. The Eagles with the trade that some people loved, some people not really in love with it. Uh, the struggling Flyers give up the ghost, although he cleared waivers, so he may be in the lineup again real soon. Uh, Bill, we got a baseball season to talk about, a full season this year, we hope, and we're going to make our fearless predictions for the Phils for this season later in the show. Yes, we are, and we got a couple great guests tonight. The longtime Phillies reporter Paul Hagan will be joining us to talk all things Phillies, and Delaware Blue Coast radio voice Kelly Santiago also joins us. Paul's always great, uh, been a great guest, and we're looking forward to talking Phils with him. And but tell us about Kalis. What, who is she? What's she up to? And uh, she's an up-and-comer. Yeah, well, I saw two weeks ago, 6ABC was doing a story on Kayla. She happens to go to Roan, where both of my kids went. My son is a senior there, as a matter of fact. Um, Kayla has met Neil Hartman and Dee Lynham, whom we've had on the show, of course, several times. And she calls games for the Sixers G League affiliate, the Blue Coat. So I thought it would be cool to talk to her for our show, and I was able to make it happen. And uh, we pre-recorded that interview, and it's a good one. We'll have that for you later in the show. All right. Sounds good. Well, with all that, let's welcome back longtime Phillies reporter Paul Hagan back to Philly Press Box Radio. Paul, welcome, sir. Thank you. Good to be back with you guys. Hey, Paul, uh, I don't know about you, but despite the fact that the Phillies are in a tough NL East and there are a couple of very good teams out West, I'm excited about this upcoming season. Here we are on the eve of the opener. We're going to cover as much as we can with you in our discussion, but let's talk first about the decision to send Scott Kingry back to the minors. Is he just an underachiever, or do the Phillies maybe mess him up when they tried to adjust his batting stance over the last couple of years? What's going on with Kingry? Well, I mean, we'll never know because you can't go back and rerun it and try it away. But I remember thinking at the time, you know, here, here's a kid that they gave this big contract to before he even had played one game in the big leagues regular season. And, you know, when, when he had had the success he had had, he was a second baseman. Um, so to ask him to break into the major leagues and make the adjustment to being a utility player uh, just really seemed like a, a strange way to to treat a, a guy who clearly you you begged this guy who's going to be one of your foundation pieces um you know we'll never know uh was that the problem i or or was launch angle the problem i think that could have been part of it too uh but um you know maybe maybe he can go back down there and just relax and you know just try to get back to to be the player he was and if he can, hopefully they'll they'll say, you know, that's pretty good. That's why we liked him in the first place. We're going to let him play the way he plays. 
Well, hey, Paul, uh, I think we'll, we'll get to the bullpen. I think we've seen great improvement, or, well, we hope we see great improvement there. Starting pitching still questioned. But you said launch angle, and that makes me think Reese Hoskins. Uh, to me, Reese Hoskins is kind of a key to this offense. Um, you know, he came out of the spring, he hit 220-something. Minus one game, he hit 139. Uh, that's not good. He had one three-for-three three game. I think he had six hits the whole spring. Um to me, Hoskins is the key to this offense. Uh, what do you think? I, I don't disagree with that. I mean, I think that he's he's the one guy that, you know, most of these guys you look at and you say, you know, within a certain range, here's what we can logically expect. Uh, with Reese, I have no idea what to expect. Um, you, you know, you have to you have to believe and hope that he is not the guy that he was the second half of last season. Um, but you know, he's the one who's got to go out and show that he's not, uh, I learned a long time ago, spring training. I don't put a lot of stock in spring training. Uh, but, but when you are coming off the kind of season he had late in the season, uh, it would have been a little comforting, uh, to see him stinging the ball a little bit more than he did this spring. But, you know, as they say, it's a, it's a fresh slate starting uh, tomorrow and, uh, It'll start, that's when it starts to count. Hey, Paul, uh, do me a favor and move either your chair or your camera so we can see your whole head, and uh, I'll ask you the next question. Uh, regarding center field, uh, we know Odubel Herrera is going to start the uh, season at the minor league complex, so that leaves Adam Hazley and Roman Quinn out there. The eternal question, can Quinn stay healthy, and what do you expect from that center field platoon? Well, um, I thought that if Roman Quinn won the job and stayed healthy, that might be the ideal scenario uh, for the Phillies. Because I remember when he first came up a few years ago, games he played in September, he, you could tell he made a difference. He energized the whole lineup. Uh, but, but you're right. The, the, you know, the question with Roman's always going to be can they healthy. Um, he still, I don't know. You know, I don't, I'm not down there with a stopwatch, so I don't know if he still has the speed he had back then. Uh, he's a little bit older now. As you said, he's been injured a lot. But he still brings a speed element to the game. Um, Adam Hazley had stretches where he showed some promise, but he certainly is not a, a sure thing. So it looks like at least to start the season, probably a platoon. Um, I, I really wonder, and I don't know, I was not in spring training this year, and and even if I had been, you know, you didn't have the ability like you used to have to kind of sidle over to somebody and just have a, a background conversation. Uh, but I don't know uh, whether Odubel Herrera, even if he'd hit 500, you know, if, if he really had a legitimate chance to make the team, uh, which is a which is a whole other issue. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, hey, Paul, we talked about the bullpen just a second. Uh 21 losses in games last year where they had the lead and a 7.06 ERA from the bullpen. Uh, something about Harry Truman or Herbert Hoover. Herbert Hoover was president the last time a bullpen had an ERA <laughs> of that. Uh, they come out of spring training. Again, it's spring training, but Joe Girardi seems to be probably happiest with that bullpen that he has now. Of anything that's improved, he seems pretty fired up about what he's got now. 
I think the Baseball Writers Association of America passed a resolution that uh, first you refer to the Phillies bullpen is historically bad. I think that's a rule now. Uh, but uh, yeah, it, it should be. So if you if you were historically bad, you've almost got to be better, right? Yeah. And by definition, you almost have to be better than historically bad. So and they they do have some new faces. They've got some good arms. Um, you know, good arms don't always translate into success. Um, but at, at least at least it's uh, it's they changed it up uh, and and. They brought in some guys, you know, last year it seemed like, and I don't know if this is true or not, but it seemed like they were so concerned about the luxury tax. They had some veteran guys. They didn't keep them. They went with the younger and probably cheaper guys, and it really didn't work out the way they might have hoped. Um, so this year we have some, we have some, we're going to be watching some guys who uh, have had some success at the big league level. Um, you know, relievers are notoriously up and down, so you don't really know what you're going to get from year to year. But on paper, it could be a vast improvement over what everybody had watched last year. Well, we heard uh, from Joe Girardi in the last day or two that Naris will be the closer, at least to start the season. Hopefully that'll go well. Jose Alvarado was in the running for that job, and he looked great early in the spring. The last couple of outings, so he got hit around a bit. He's intriguing, though. He can throw 100 miles an hour. He can really, you know, fool hitters. Um, what do you expect from Alvarado? Is he going to finally, you know, show some consistency? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, you look at the Tampa Braves and their and their tractored in with pitching, and they pretty much let him go. So, you know, they obviously didn't think they could get it out of him. Uh, but <clears throat> then again, I'll, uh, I'll give you Jake Arrieta with the Orioles. Very mediocre uh, starter with the Orioles, goes to the Cubs and has one of the, the probably the greatest single seasons in the last 20, 25 years. So maybe a change of scenery, maybe, um, you know, hearing the same. I'm sure he's going to hear the same theory he heard in Tampa Bay, but Sometimes when you hear it in a different voice with different words, maybe it maybe it maybe it sinks in. Maybe he matures. Um, I don't know. But you you start with the arm, and he's got the arm. But we all also know that a lot of great arms just don't get people out. You got to mm-hmm. throw strikes, and you got to throw them consistently. Yeah. Well, Connor Brogdon, he's a guy that I really like. I think he's got a great arm, young guy. It looks like they have him slotted kind of in the seventh inning spot. Uh, what's the process, Paul, to get for a, a guy with a great arm that you see, but he's young, of not putting him in that eighth, eighth and, or ninth inning slot too early, I guess? Uh, what do you have to do to earn that slot? Because that kid's got a great arm. Yeah, I mean, I think you just go out and, and pitch. You go out and succeed. And if you do that, uh, you, you will get your opportunity. Um, you know, the, the sabermetricians will tell you that the thing is not different from the eighth inning of the seventh inning, and you should put your closer in the high leverage situation, even if it's the sixth or the seventh. And I understand that on a, on a hypothetical level, but I have seen pitchers who are great in the ninth because they need that in a safe situation, and they aren't so good if they're not in a safe situation. I've also seen pitchers who are great in the seventh and eighth who just don't seem to want to be in the ninth. So there is something. It's it's obviously not physical. It's mental. Uh, but there is something different about it. I am sure 
that as his career goes on, maybe not this year, but if he pitches well in the seventh, uh, there will come a chance for him to pitch in the eighth. And if he pitches well in the eighth, I'm sure there'll come an opportunity for him to try and see what happens. Paul, I thought this guy would be gone finally this year, but uh, Vince Velasquez still around. How are they going to how, how are they going to use the much maligned Vince Velasquez? <laughs> what about you know Vin, Vince is a guy. Vince is a guy that to, to say to repeat what I just said. Just because you have a gram doesn't mean you can get people out. Yeah. Um, Vince Vince has never been able to harness. I remember uh, the first spring that Pete McCannum was the Phillies manager. The Phillies had just gotten Vince Velasquez. I went to lunch with Pete. I was doing a story and just talking about all the new faces. And he went with Vince Velasquez. There were about 12 or 15 guys on the list. He went right to Vince Velasquez and said, this is the guy I can't wait to see. This is the guy, the stuff I've heard from him about him, I, I just can't wait to see this arm. And then, of course, his first game for the Phillies, he has that great start um, first week of the season, and he's never really come close to, to replicating that since. Yep. Um, you know, it, it, it comes strikes, I, I think, with Vince. He's, he's got to throw strikes with authority, with confidence, with, uh, with the belief in those pitches. And if he can do that, he's probably still got a chance, but – I'm like you. I'm. You, you just get really tired of waiting to see it. Yeah. Well, one guy, Paul, I'm really excited to see is a full season of Alec Bohm. I think uh, a lot of potential there. We've seen guys in their second year, you know, the pitchers find holes in their swings and things like that. I'm hoping that doesn't happen with, with Bohm. Uh, him and Harper and Hoskins, if Hoskins can get it together, is a pretty nice middle of the order along with Real Muto. Yeah, let, let's just say that Bohm isn't going into his second season. Let's say he's going into the second half of his first season yeah. since they played such a short year last year. Yeah, yeah. Looking forward um, to seeing No, him. but you're right. I mean, yeah, I, I am too. And uh, and and he's obviously got the ability, but one of the oldest cliches in baseball, baseball's game of adjustments. And you're right. And especially these days with all the videotape and all the analytics, um, Pitchers are going to have a better book on him, and they're going to—they're not going to—I I guarantee you—they're not going to pitch him the same way they pitched him last year, and then he's going to have to make an adjustment to that. So that's—that's uh, that's going to be fun to watch. Well, another thing that's going to be fun to watch is the development of this pitching staff. I like their first three guys who we're going to see over the next uh, four days. That, of course, would be Aaron Nola, Zach Wheeler, and Zach L. Eflin. I think Eflin's going to have a good year. I just feel that he's going to have a breakout year, and I hope I'm right. Uh, what do you make of these first three, and then what can we expect from the guys who are currently four and five, Matt Moore and Chase Anderson? Well, um, they all obviously have uh, a, a, an upside. Uh, Aaron Nola finished third in the in the um, Cy Young voting a couple of years ago. Yep. Uh, he has not pitched to that level since. Uh, he seems to have worn down a little bit in the second, you know, later in the season since then. Um, but he's he's not old. He's still young. Um, you know, I would I would hope that he has made some adjustments, maybe in his conditioning routine or whatever. Uh, but he's a he's a location guy, and if he's if he's locating, he he will be very effective. 
Uh, Zach Wheeler, I think, showed everybody why the Phillies gave him the money they gave him. Um, and uh, Zach Eflin has shown us stretches before, uh, mm -hmm. you know, five, six starts at a time when he looked really, really. So it's just a matter of consistency. He's got to, you know, be able to, to do have more of those good games and fewer of the, of the less good games. Uh, as for the, the last two guys, I don't know. I, I'm not really too familiar with them. I know that, you know, the Phillies, at least they have a, a left-hander in the rotation to start the season now, which is something that for quite a few years they didn't have. So I think yeah. that's, uh, that's good. But, uh, you know, I, I think uh, that's, a, that's a fluid situation. You know, fourth and fifth starters – uh, they'll get their chance, and and if they don't perform, I'm gonna guess that they will not be in the rotation all year. Hey, Paul, we go through all this conversation, and we don't talk about Bryce Harper. Uh, just 28 years old. Uh, you would think there's still some fantastic years, or maybe some of his best years, still ahead of him. Uh, can we really expect a breakout season from Harper still in the next year or two? You know, that's a that's a really good question. I think if you look at what Bryce Harper has been statistically um, the last two years with the Phillies, it's pretty much was the last couple of years with the Nationals. Um, I don't think he's been worse. I don't think he's been a whole lot better. You know, outside of his MVP year, it, it seems to me like this is the guy he is. I think he brings a lot of intangibles um, to, to expect him – just because the Phillies paid him $330 million to expect him to suddenly be a, a, a 50% better player than he had been, that just doesn't seem logical or realistic to me. Um, he, he is going to have very hot streaks. He's going to have really cold streaks. That's what he's been his whole career. Uh, when you have a, a year like his MVP year, uh, the, the hot streaks last longer and the cold streaks don't last as long. And, and you hope, you know, that uh, at 28, you know, 28, 29, 30, 31, those are supposed to be the prime years. It's uh, great care of himself. So maybe even 32, 33, 34. Uh, if I'm the Phillies, that's certainly what I'm, I'm hoping for. But uh, to, to criticize a guy for not being way better and he has been most of his career just because he signed a big contract. doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I'm with you. All right, prediction time, Paul. We know what the NL East looks like. Uh, the Braves are a real good team. The Mets have improved. The Marlins, stinking Marlins made the playoffs last year. Washington has that great pitching staff. The over-under for the Phillies is 80.5. How do you think the 2021 Phillies are going to do, and can they get into the playoffs? Uh, can they? Yes, of course. Of course they can. Uh, will they? Aha, that's a whole different question, right? Yes. Um, I, I think if I if I were a betting person, which I am not, um, I would take the over on the 80.5. They were basically a 500 team last year with, uh, and again, an historically bad bullpen. Yeah. Um, you, you would like to think you would like to think that Reese Hoskins will be better to talk about. Um, Andrew McCutcheon is a full year year removed from his injury. Um, you know, I think the, the, the first three starters are, are very solid. So, you know, there are reasons to think they're better. Of course, there are reasons for the other four teams in the division to think they're better too. So I think, uh, I think it's going to be really a, a slug it out division. Um, it may come, come down to 
you know, breaking even in your own division and trying to do well against the other divisions uh, or beating up in the lesser teams in the other divisions. Um, but I, I think they should be a playoff contender, you know, with just the normal amount of injuries. Uh, I think they should contend uh, whether they can get over that hump or not. Um, I don't know. Um, you know, I look at the Mets. I think Francisco Lindor is such a good player. I'm not sure that National League fans really understand if they haven't seen him play a lot, how good he is. I think that's a terrific addition to the Mets. Um, but the Mets, you know, the Mets are the Mets. It seems like in the last 10 years or so, something always goes wrong for them. <laughs> yes. Sir. So that's something they've got to get over. Um, you know, the Marlins, you know, if, if they get off to a great start, how soon is it before the fans start talking about, well, who are you going to trade next? You know, you come up to the deadline and uh, and they're in contention and the fans start saying, well, are you going to keep this team together or not? Um, you know, the Braves obviously are a very good team. I, they have to be favored. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it should be a really, a really um, hard fought division. And, and I think that's going to make the games all even more interesting and fun to watch than, than they normally are. All right. Absolutely. Well, Paul, we have run out of time already. We certainly appreciate you coming by and uh, joining us. It's always fun. Pleasure. Thank you, guys. All right, Paul, Paul. Thanks. Take care. All right, Chad. Good stuff. Let's talk, let's talk insurance. If you're looking for insurance in the tri-state area, we've got the spot for you. Allstate Insurance in Westchester, PA. You've got that right, Bill. One of the best benefits of having an Allstate insurance policy is getting a local agent like Dave Lavoy, who is dedicated to you. Building that personal relationship means you can work with someone who knows you and understands your family's needs. Someone you can call when you need questions answered or you know, any kind of help in general. Dave is dedicated to protecting what is most important to you and your family. So give Dave a call. He is at Allstate in Westchester, Pennsylvania, 610-430-0700. Again, that number is 610-430-0700. Hey, everybody. It's Willie Nile here, and you're listening to Chet and Bill on Philly Press Box Radio. You lucky people. You know, Chad, I was listening to some uh, Willie Nile today when I was out on my uh, my walk through the park. So uh, enjoyed enjoyed some of Willie today. Good old Willie, yes, indeed. Hey, you know what, Bill? Uh, it's opening day tomorrow, so it's time to I think crack open the major logger tonight. Oh, go ahead, major logger. Ever had Pick it? Pick this up. I picked this one up when I was out in Ohio a week and a half ago, and I did try it. It's pretty good. So, all right, baseball. All right. Well, hey, let's talk basketball. Sixers now in a first-place tie with Brooklyn. Uh, they added George Hill at the trade deadline, but they need Joel Embiid back. Uh, how did you like the Hill move and uh, Embiid on Saturday, right? Hopefully Embiid Saturday or Sunday. As for the George Hill acquisition bill, I liked it muchly. Yes, I said it muchly. muchly. That's a new word. I just kind of made that up. Uh, a lot of people wanted them to make a big splash and maybe get Kyle Lowry, but apparently Toronto was asking for a King's Ransom. I'm okay with them making just this lesser move. Hill is not a star, but he is a good defender, and he's a good shooter. He can you know, play point guard. Anyway, yes, Embiid should be back Saturday or Sunday. Sixers have lost two in a row now, but they still were 10-3 and three in the month of March. They are tied for first place, as you noted. So uh, I think they're going to be fine. 
Yeah, well, uh, we're going to see because this is not going to go away. The Bucks, uh, what, they've fallen to three back, but they're certainly still in the hunt. But uh, they, they, the Nets and the Sixers going to go down to the wire here, and it's going to be really interesting as it goes. Yeah, it, it really is. And uh, hopefully Embiid is back either Saturday or Sunday. They have the back-to-back game, so maybe they will you know, keep him out of the lineup Saturday, give him one more day of rest and play him Sunday. Uh going to be an interesting next month or so because it's only a 72 game schedule this season home court would be nice to have throughout but one or two seed for sure is what i want to see yeah well the nets aren't going away and with no. that that we know and uh i think they're only going to get better too when they get durant back so it's going to be fun to watch and uh we'll see we'll see i'm not sure what to think of it Go Sixers. I stayed up last night, watched, and that was a mistake because they were just never in the game. It was a wire-to-wire win for Denver, but the Nuggets are a real good team. So, Yeah. Well, we'll get to talking about turning games off here shortly, but we got a couple other things to talk about before that. Uh, you introduced our second guest, Kayla Santiago, a little bit earlier. Uh, you had a chance to sit down with her the other day. Uh, tell us about it and uh, give us a little more insight on Kayla. Well, you know, it's funny. I told Kayla, Kayla when I reached out to her that we would probably talk 10 or 12 minutes. We ended up talking nearly 20 minutes. We covered a lot of ground. So here's the plan. We're going to play an edited 10-minute version of our chat right here. And then afterwards, I will tell everyone how they can see and hear the entire interview, which is 17 minutes or so. Uh, they will be able to see that. So does that sound like the plan, Bill? Sounds good. Let's All do right. it. Last week on Philly Press Box Radio, we had author Luann Lyons Powell and longtime 76ers reporter D. Lynham on the show. And now, as Women's History Month wraps up, I have the pleasure of talking with a young lady who's hoping to make some history of her own. She does radio play by play for the Delaware Blue Coats in the NBA's G League. And she will very soon be the new sports director at Roan University Radio, where she is a junior. It's Kayla Santiago. So we say hello, Kayla. Welcome to Philly Press Box Radio. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I normally don't talk age with uh, a woman, but uh, in your case, I'm going to do it because I mentioned you are a junior. You are just 20 years old, and that means one of your very first Philly sports memories was the Phillies winning the 2008 World Series. Would that be accurate? Yes, that's very accurate. It was my first championship that I was ever alive to actually witness, so that was pretty amazing. I was only eight years old when they won it all. And what about your interest in sports? Were you interested right from the get-go? Tell me about your family. Were they big sports fans when you were growing up in Glassboro? Yeah, so my family is 4-4 with Philadelphia. I mean, they've loved sports growing up, especially my dad. I think he, It's funny because I would sit down, I would watch all the games with my family, you know, watch Super Bowl 52 with my mom, my stepdad, 50 other of my family members. And then when I was little, my dad would actually take me to batting practices at like two, three years old. And I was screaming, go Jim Tony!" I feel he's batting practice. It wasn't even the game. It was just batting practice. So I think ever since then, I really loved it. And then for me, I kind of just took it to the other level. Like I wanted to, I'm a very competitive person. So I always wanted to know more than my dad. And I always wanted to like, be like, I know this stat, you don't. Like, haha, like kind of like that. So it was really interesting. When I was like 10 or 11 years old, I actually decided to start taking stat. I would have a stat book and I would really, really just try to get to know the players and get to know their ERAs, their batting averages, where they played, especially for the Phillies, because 2008 to 2011, that's where they're best. 
you know, it was Jimmy Rollins, Ryan Howard, Chase Utley. So I wanted to be educated. I wanted to learn about it. And I think that's where my love really started when I realized it was more than just a fandom, but it was about me being so passionate about something that I wouldn't want to put work into it when I was 10 or 11. So when it came time to go to college, you decided ultimately to stay close to home. You live in Glassboro and you go to Roan pretty much right down the street. What went into that decision? So it's actually a funny story because I didn't want to go to Roan because it's right around the corner. I was like, mom, it's in my backyard. I'm not going there. I want the college experience. Now, I didn't realize the college experience back then was exactly what I'm getting now in my backyard. I actually applied to Rowan the day before the deadline because I didn't want to go. And it's interesting because I decided to reach out to the communications director and I said, what can I do in sports that, what kind of programs do you guys have so I could really get to know the school? And then at the end of the day, make my final decision in May when it was, you know, decision day, trying to figure out which college I really wanted to go to. And they said, well, we actually have this new sports communication and media program coming in 2018 when I was a freshman. So Hmm. the program was literally new the year I came in. So it was like perfect timing. It was like, Everything just kind of lined up perfectly. It was meant to be for a reason. And honestly, it is one of the best decisions I've ever made in my life. Well, thanks to social media, I was able to kind of check out your resume. And you have done quite a lot in your three years at Roan. Tell our viewers and listeners, you know, just some of the things that you've been able to do through your major and Roan Radio. Yeah, so my freshman year, I interned at WBCB, Merrill Races Station, the play-by-play broadcaster for the Philadelphia Eagles. So there I was able to kind of write hourly sports scripts. And then I also got the chance to go to Philadelphia Eagles training camp and do some interviews with the players there. So that was a really awesome opportunity. And then I did a project in mental health and diversity in sports, something I'm super passionate about. So I wanted to also put my work into that. And then I got to intern with NFL alumni and I'm still there currently. I started in September, 2020. They asked me to come back in the spring and just a world of possibilities there. I've been able to do Super Bowl interviews. I went to the Red, White, and Blue Celebrity Golf Classic and interviewed former NFL players. And then I also got the gig with the Delaware Blue Coats. They're the 76ers G League affiliate. And that is just one of the most amazing things I've ever done. We had all audition, I believe out of like 20 people and four of us got chosen. And I was one of the four, which was an amazing experience for me. And I also got chosen to do the NBA G League championship game because the Blue Coats made it that far. Their first ever in franchise history. They didn't win, but it was a crazy experience to be 20 years old and be broadcasting a G League championship game. It was the opportunity of a lifetime. And I think it really put me on the map and it taught me just to work that much harder. So I think this Blue Coats opportunity really just made me realize exactly what I want to do. And that is play by play. If I'm not mistaken, you did that broadcast remotely. You were basically watching it on a TV screen. Is that right? And was that difficult not being in the arena to call the game? It was very difficult. It was definitely a lot different. You know, we had to do it at the radio station, actually. That's where we did it. And I'm used to doing rowing games, you know, in the basketball arena or at the baseball field or at the football field. So we had to do it from a TV in a little conference room. It was definitely a lot different because, you know, TV angles don't always give you the full effect. Sometimes they'll cut the camera real sharp to a coach or a player, and sometimes you're missing some of the action. So you really have to do your research and really make sure you're ready to add a lib. It was tough, but I think it's a good thing for us to do because you never know. Maybe next year for rowing games, for away games, they might be like, do it remote. Don't travel with us because COVID is still around. So I think it was a good experience for us to get that background. We can say we did games remotely, but – 
I definitely hope next year, if I'm lucky enough to get the position again, that I can do it at the arena because that feeling is unmatched. Well, you mentioned Merrill Reese, and I want to go back to him for just a second. Merrill's been uh, kind enough to talk to me every September. We have him on our show to do a little Eagle season preview. He is terrific, and I just want to share something with you. I actually texted Merrill this morning and asked about you, and this is what Merrill said. She's bright, has a passion for all sports, has knowledge way beyond her years, will work tirelessly, and will one day be on network TV. That's from uh, Meryl Reese. That's pretty cool, huh? Well, that, like, warms my heart. It's funny because I actually talked to Meryl this morning. I did a little bit of an interview with him for a project we're working on. Um, Meryl is absolutely amazing. He's one of my biggest mentors. You know, he would literally pick apart my tape and say, say this better or say differently don't use your jersey accent because that's not what people <laughs> want to hear. I learned so much from that internship. And like I said, I still keep in contact with Merrill. I probably text him like once a week. He is terrific. Just love the guy. Well, Kayla, because it's Women's History Month, I want to ask you, do you have any particular female sportscasters or journalists or women in general that you would consider a role model or someone that you look up to for inspiration? One of them is Beth Bowens. Um, she is the play-by-play -play broadcaster for the Chicago Cubs. But I think, you know, just being able to have that role because it's not a woman-powered field, especially in the booth, I think that's really awesome. And I definitely look up to her. Of course, Dora's work. I mean, I think she is fantastic. I really love all the work that she's doing. And then I got the chance to sit down with Jamie Apodi for an interview. And she's even better on, well, not in person because we weren't in person, but she's even better person than broadcaster as well. I think she's absolutely fantastic. Her storylines are always on point. I think she works really hard to get the best stories out there, and she definitely inspires me as well. So what is your ultimate goal in the broadcasting business? Is it play-by-play, -play and what particular sport would you uh, like to do? It is most definitely play-by-play. -play. I think basketball. Now, I do love doing play-by-play -play for baseball and football as well. I just think basketball is my favorite for some reason. I couldn't really tell you why. I just absolutely love doing play-by-play -play for basketball. Now, I'd be doing open doing really any sport, but it'd be a play-by-play -play broadcaster for a basketball team, for a professional basketball team at the end of the day. Well, Kayla, let's talk a little Sixers. Even with the Joel Embiid injury, they played extremely well, um, battling for the top seed in the East as we speak. They acquired George Hill right at the trade deadline. Do they have enough to get to the NBA Finals as is? I think they do, and I think the Sixers are going to surprise a lot of people. Now, I understand you have to worry about Brooklyn, James Harden, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant. I get it. But I think what the Sixers have right now, they have a Tobias Harris who is playing like an all-star, who should have been an all-star, and that is because of Doc Rivers. And I think we saw the Tobias Harris on the L.A. Clippers that we wanted to see here in Philadelphia right away. I think that player also ties in with Doc Rivers, and I think Doc Rivers is able to bring that Tobias back. I mean, he's improved defensively so well. Ben Simmons, he does so much that doesn't show up on the score sheet for this team, and I think that, you know, with Joel Embiid, if Joel Embiid goes out there and chooses to dominate every single game, he is going to be the best player on the court. There is no question, in my opinion, about that. He can put up 40 a game, and he's shown it this season. Now he's injured, but guess what? The Sixers are still winning, and they're still in first place. So that shows you right there that, yes, of course, they want Joel Embiid back. He could be the MVP. Well, Kayla Santiago, this has been loads of fun, as I knew it would be. Continued success at Rowan and in your broadcasting career, and uh, go Sixers! Yeah, absolutely. Go Sixers. Trust the process. And thank you so much for having me. It was a great time. Check.
Good stuff, man. She she's sharp. I, I like her. I like her a lot. I like her enthusiasm and I like her uh, her preparation, I guess, and uh, try, trying to know more than her dad. Well, having interned under Merrill, you knew that uh, he was going to teach her about preparation because you know, even though he's been doing it 40 some years, Merrill prepares like nobody else. But one thing, Bill, that I take away from this, I don't know about you, but she was eight years old when the Phillies beat the Rays in the 2008 World Series. I'm suddenly feeling very old. Yeah, well, <laughs> because you are. Let, let, well, let's, yeah. let's, let's just go there. Uh, no, she's real good, and uh, we'll have to keep an eye on her because she's got a bright future. She uh, she speaks well, and uh, you know she's got some good mentors too, and uh, yeah, as well, and uh, good good uh, idols that are, if that's the right word that she looks up to that do a great job as well. All right, now here's the deal. Very important for anyone who wants to hear more of Kayla's story. You just saw and heard the edited 10-minute version, as I said, but the full, let's call it the director's cut of our chat, 17 minutes worth, will be on YouTube. If you're watching tonight, it'll be on there at 8.15 Eastern time this evening, Wednesday, and it will show up automatically at 8.15 p.m., assuming YouTube has it working properly. Uh, Kayla will be talking more about her interest in sports, covering the blue coats. Uh, Paul Reed, plus a fun game that she and I played of Fast Five at the end with her thoughts about the Eagles, the Phillies, and her new celebrity status and much more. So just go to YouTube and type in Kayla Santiago and Philly Press Box Radio to find that full interview after 8.15 this evening. And while you're there, please subscribe. And, you know, I just hope that Kayla won't forget about us, Bill, the little people, when she's calling games on TNT or ESPN or whatever in the future. Well, hopefully you're not in a rocking chair by the time that <laughs> happens. Hopefully she moves a little, moves quickly because you, well, you know. I got a rocking chair set for, for about four years from now. So <laughs> get going, Kayla. Oh, you bet. All right, Ted. Hey, it's time to ring the bell. Uh, I, I just hope I don't go on that random chat hot seat uh, like I did last week. That was, uh, you that were was miserable. Rough. You were miserable. You know, last week we talked about uh, – little phrases that would give away a sitcom or TV show. You got like eight out of 20. My wife, my wife got like 15 out of 20. Well, she probably watches TV with you. Yeah, yeah, I guess. All right, let's do it, Bill. Here we go. You'll remember back in January. Oh, I know you remember that we talked about Gwyneth Paltrow and her special uh, candles. Well, this is something of a smelly sequel to that bill. Uh, Yeah, here we go. Who doesn't love the smell of a dive bar? Now, don't snicker. Apparently, a lot of people do enjoy that scent. I'm not kidding you. Well, Miller Lite last week unveiled a limited edition candle collection called Bar Smells. I'm not kidding. Proceeds from the sale of the candles going to a nonprofit that supports folks in the service industry. Each of the three candle varieties goes for $20 a piece. It's a beer garden candle. You can get game day bar. And yes, as I mentioned, dive bar. That one is said to combine elements including musk, pine, yeast, and tobacco. Said Miller Lite, we're excited that our drinkers will be able to bring a little bit of their favorite bar home with them, all while supporting the industry we love and miss. Well, I'm sorry, folks, but uh, all of these candles have unfortunately sold out. They did so almost immediately, and it's not known whether they'll be coming back in stock or not, Bill. Bill, would you like a candle that smelled like a dive bar? Uh, no, and I can promise you my wife would not either. Is it like <laughs> like 
10 years of crusty old cigarette <laughs> smell or, or what? what? You know, you know, our, our friend Marissa Magnata from WMMR, who we had on a couple of years ago, she actually got quoted by Miller Lite on Twitter because she spell, uh, she said, I just hope it doesn't smell like a dive bar bathroom. <laughs> there, you go. there you go. She got retweeted for that one. Yes. Uh, yeah. I mean, I can, uh, I've been in some bars along the way. And uh, oh, we all have. There are some <laughs> places that you definitely do not want to smell. Oh, my. Carry God. on, Bill. Let's well, I along. guess I had to ask you, Ted, are they, are they not selling enough beer now? Or what? I don't know. No, it's it was a charity thing. So the funds supposedly went to people who work in the service industry because, you know, with so many bars closed or having limited hours, limited capacity, a lot of people were out of work. So these funds supposedly went to help them. And that's a good thing. I wish they would have made more of the candles. Not that I would have bought one, but, you know, more people would have got help. Yeah. You'd have probably had a pile of sitting in there first. I would like one just as a novelty item, you know? <laughs> Oh, my goodness. All right, Ted, let's talk Flyers. This team is a mystery. Likely <laughs> saved their season Monday night with that uh, 3 nothing deficit, come back to win in overtime. Uh, now they made a move with Gostaspare, as we mentioned. Tonight, more moves. Nolan Patrick, Oscar Lindblom are healthy scratches. Uh, Connor Bunneman and Carson Torinsky are dressed out. Uh, seems like they're trying to do anything to get a spark and uh, – we saw that the other night when they when they took uh, that young line and benched them the entire third period. Yeah, the big question, are they just in a rough patch for the past month or are they just not real good? That is the big question. Based on what we saw last season, Bill, we perhaps got fooled into thinking the Flyers were maybe better than they actually are. But check out their March numbers, 16 games, and they went 6-9-1. and one. That was after winning the last two, so they were 4-9-1 and one at one point. Seems like the record was even worse, though, uh, just watching them. They allowed 69 goals in those 16 games. That is a, a record, a bad record. Uh, 4.3 goals per game. You're not going to win a whole lot of games when you're giving up four and a third goals per game. And after their second straight game against Buffalo, that uh, one is playing happening tonight, the schedule gets very difficult again, Bill. A bunch of games against Bruins, Islanders, and Capitals over the next couple of weeks. So they're going to have to play better or it's going to get ugly again real soon. Well, and, you know, I always say I like to look at that goals for versus goals against that, you know. And yeah. uh, right now they're minus 17, which is, and they're last in the East in goals allowed with 123. And as a comparison, Boston's given up 77. So, uh, you know, not far from being double, really. I mean, it's Oof. it's awful. And, you know, the, the stats get a little blown up when you give up 10 goals in a game and eight goals in a game and all that. But, you know, the interesting thing to me, the move with Gossespierre, I guess, was a money move. They got him back. I don't know how that works if they sign it or bring him back up. If now yeah, I don't know. Made it different. I don't know how that works, but. Uh, they're making all these moves on the offensive side. The defense is not good, and they've done nothing to improve that. I guess Gustafson back in tonight in that Gustafsberg spot, he hasn't been very good either. No. They missed Niskanen. Gustafson's been a disappointment. I'm still surprised about the Gustafsberg thing, even though he wasn't playing great. I don't think he was awful, certainly, and he does provide some you know, help on the power play. He can shoot, certainly. We've seen that. So that was an interesting move. I don't know if we're going to see him back in the lineup or not. Um, the other thing, Bill, the goaltender situation, Brian Elliott's not going to be able to play every night, and they've got to get Carter Hart figured out or they're not going anywhere. 
Yeah, well, and I think you're going to see Alex Lyon. I think he's going to play, yeah. uh, and, and he's not a bad goaltender. Um, you know, again, going back to Patrick and Lindblom and Farabee also the other night um, and Hart, um, is this just all a message for these young kids that, that the, these kids are getting off track a little bit and A.V. trying to, uh, you know, kind, kind of maybe write their careers. Maybe this is a long-term deal rather than just a, a short situation we're in. Who the heck knows? But I was surprised about the Farabee benching. That uh, surprised me. I mean, maybe he wasn't playing great the other night, but he's been one of their better players over the last few well, weeks he's, otherwise. He's so. leading goal scorer, and they yeah. were three nothing. So, you know, uh, goals, I hope A.V. knows what he's doing. Well, you know, it worked out well in that game because they came back and won. Um, but, you know – Heads are, you know, playing with guys' heads is a is an interesting challenge for a coach to do, and uh, especially these young guys. It's uh, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Av's won a lot of games. He didn't get to this point in his career uh, by not being a good coach, but he's also not always been thought of to be very patient with young players. No, I hope he knows what he's doing because I may have put some money on a money line bet on the Flyers tonight. So. Oh, there you Just go. Throwing that out there. Okay. There you go. <laughs> hey, uh, I'm going to throw something up here. We got one. I think we got one second to talk flyers. Brian Brown's got a comment. I want you to comment on this, Chet. I think it's time for someone else to wear the C. Uh, I don't think so. I mean, I I think Giroux's actually having a decent year given his age, and he's played well many of the recent games. Uh, especially in the comeback win the other night. So I don't think it's his fault what's going on there, and I don't think that they need the change in the captaincy. Keep G in there. Let's get this thing going. And I agree with you. You you know I like Giroux, and, uh, you know, when I don't know what more a fan could expect him to do the other night, scores a goal, gets an assist, grinds the boards to uh, create the game winner in overtime. He was the creator of that, even though he didn't get an assist. Um you know, you don't have to talk a lot to be a captain. You have to show by example, and Drew does that. But boy, as soon as they start going bad, he's always the guy that gets the heat. It, it's all the time, time, all the time. Hey, you know, Bill, it's it is April tomorrow, which means it is NFL Draft Month. Yes, it is. It is, and uh, we've got a lot going on over at the Edge of Philly Sports Network, Chet. Uh, that. They, they're going to cover all kinds of stuff. What, what do we have? Well, yeah, it's already started. Uh, some of the guys from our other shows, Bird's IQ and Patterson Avenue Fanatics and the main EOP show have all started writing articles about some of the players that might be taken by the Eagles or even other teams. And there's going to be more of that all month. And then, you know, when it comes to the latter part of April, when it's the three-day draft April, whatever those days are, I don't know, I lost track. The the three days, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday in late April, um, we're going to be doing all sorts of things. We're going to have some interviews. We're going to have a live show with a whole bunch of us. And as I said, lots more articles, player profiles, and this will be across the entire network. We're still you know, putting that all together, but watch for it. Stay tuned. We will be sharing articles from each other's shows. We're going to have some separate interviews and some, you know, cross promotions. And, you know, some of the guys from the other shows might be on our show. We may show up on one of their shows. And as I said, maybe a live show on draft night or that Friday of the three-day draft weekend. So it's going to be fun. 
Yeah, and tonight after we're through here, uh, I'm going to post a couple of the articles that have already been written over on our Philly Press Box Radio Facebook page. You can check them out over there. Uh, guys are doing a good job doing their research on possible draft picks and uh, and kind of looking at the draft as a whole. And uh, I think I think uh, I think you find them interesting. So we'll yep. post them up and uh, hopefully everybody jumps in and, and checks that out. Also. Uh, you can find everything at www.eopsports.com. Uh, subscribe, subscribe, follow, like, do all those kind of things so uh, so we can get you on board with us. Let's talk Eagles. All right, Chet. Dolphins and 49ers pull off a blockbuster trade. The Eagles jump in on the end of that, moving back from number six to number 12. They pick up another first rounder next year. Uh you mentioned in the beginning, some people like, some people don't. Um, I think there might be more coming. What do you think? Uh, there may be. But personally, as for that move itself, I like it. By most accounts, they're still going to be able to get one of the top receivers, probably one of the Alabama guys, Smith or Waddle, uh, or a cornerback at number 12. Plus, of course, they get some picks later on. Now, the big concern and the problem that a lot of people have with it is the fact that it's going to be Howie Roseman, maybe with Jeffrey Lurie looking right over his shoulder, making the picks, and that they're going to screw it up. That's the big concern, and I understand that. But on paper, at least, in my view, it is a good move because you're going back six spots, you're still going to get a quality player, and you get extra picks. So if you know what you're doing, I think it's okay. Well, I'm, I'm not going to I'm not going to crucify Roseman at this point. It's just we're, we're beyond – I'm beyond all that part. Um, you know, he, he, he's got to be able to do his job or he wouldn't be there. Um, you know, there's so many things that go into it, you know, when, when they won the Super Bowl and everybody stayed healthy and all that, he was a, he was a God, you know, when things fall apart, he's a bum. So I'm not going to go there. I guess what, what I'm most concerned about is by trading down and getting next year's pick, are they looking more as Doug Peterson said, they're looking more toward down the road and not worried about now. Uh, they don't have salary cap money. They end up, they've got a lot of holes to fill. Uh, are we mailing in this year? And everybody can shake their head and say, oh, I'm okay with that because we got multiple picks next year. You're not going to be okay with that in October and November when they're 4-12 and 12 or whatever. <laughs> uh, people aren't going to be okay with it because how soon they forget. You know, the same ones that said, boy, if the Phillies could win one World Series, I'd be good forever. And yeah. they're not. Yeah, that, that, that lasts about about 12 months, and then you got to start winning again or people are going to be upset. That's right, and I guess that's really what worries me. I, I feel like they're in a really bad situation this year uh, money-wise and being able to get good quality players to fill all these holes. So it's going to be uh, it's going to be a rough fall, I'm afraid. So they're in the rebuild mode. They haven't used that word, but that's where they are. How would you like our two guests tonight, Bill? I did like them a lot. Uh, they're good. Paul's good. and uh, Absolutely. So, tell us who's coming next week. Yeah, Paul was great. Kayla was very good. As for next week, Bill, well, from Sixers Outsiders, we're going to be joined by Crystal Rich. She'll be on with us live to talk all things 76ers. Always fun to talk to Crystal. She's all over those 10, 9, 8, 76ers. And then, Bill, we are going to have, you're going to like this. We are going to have a visit from Perrant and Favelle. No, not the former Flyers goaltending tandem, but a couple of their wonderful offspring, Kim Perrant 
and Corey Favell. They are teaming up for a podcast. They've already done a few shows that will start airing April 7th, and they will be here that very evening, April 7th, to tell us all about that and to talk some flyers as well. So that is going to be fun. Yeah, that is really cool. That is really cool. I didn't I know they were doing that. something together. That's uh, That's really neat. Yeah, they've actually done a few shows, put them in the can. They've had uh, Mike Emmerich on. Uh, they got Lauren Hart lined up for the next one. They've had Lou Scheinfeld. So they've done three or four already, and uh, they're going to start airing them April 7th. So we're going to talk to them about that and the troubling, the troublesome flyers. Uh, Why is Mike Emmerich coming to Philly Press Box Radio? we got to work on that. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. All right, Jet, uh, as we said, it's spring training time. Spring training or spring training is over. It's opening day time. So we have to make some predictions. Jeez, uh, what are you going to do? Who do you like? Well, as of last week, Bill, the over-under win total for the Phillies was, according to Vegas, 80.5. Now, of course, the team hasn't finished above 500 since 2011, that glorious year when they won 102 games and then made an early exit in the postseason. That's going to change this year, Bill. As Paul said, take the over. The Phils are going to go, I'm going to say 84 and 78. I was leaning to 85, but I'm going to be a little more cautious. 84 and 78, which means they will just miss out on a spot, excuse me, in the postseason. Write that down, Bill, 84 and 78. 84 you? and 78. So you're saying they were 81 and 81 last year, right? Well, last year was the short season. So oh. they were like 29 and 31. Yeah, okay. But they were still right around 500. So yeah, the previous year, I think they were 80 and 82 or 81 and 81. Yeah. So 21 losses, as I said earlier, um, in games they had leads. I'm going to say this bullpen is going to be a lot better than that. Uh oh. So I am going to go. I'm not going out on a limb. I'm just going to go out there and say they're going to win 87 games. <laughs> 87 games. So 87 and 65, assuming they play the whole schedule. So I'm rooting for you, Bill. I would love to see you be right because that might get them a wild card spot. Uh, I'm I'm not sure they're good enough to make the playoffs, but I, I think they're going to be better. There's no reason that the offense isn't going to hit the ball. They have three quality starters. Maybe the fourth or fifth guy could do something for them. Hold the lead. Hold the lead at the end of the game with this bullpen, and they'll win a lot more games. So I'm gonna I'm gonna reach out. I'm gonna depend on the bullpen. If if they fall apart, well, what are you gonna do? I don't have a gambling problem, but I may have also put some money on the Phillies over. <laughs> oh, there you go. There you go. There you go. All right. What else you have? We about ready to uh, visit the Raz room? Uh, let's do the Raz room, and then I got a parting shot for you. All right, let's thank our friends over to PPCC 118 Raz Room. They post great sports memorabilia on their Facebook page so people can take a chance of winning something they may not be able to afford or have access to. All items come with certificates of authenticity. They continue to run out great autograph memorabilia from all the Philly teams and more. They have 11 line Razzes, mystery boxes, and a memorabilia shop. Check out their Facebook page, like them, or follow them. It's PPCC 118 Raz Room and PPCC118 Razroom shop on Facebook. 
Speaking of speaking of parting shots, Mr. Chesco, what you got? And then I got a little something, something. Well, Bill, I visited PNC Park in Pittsburgh just once. It was July of 2010 with my pal Denny. If I'm not mistaken, the damn Pirates actually won the game, beating the Phillies in that game we went to. We had planned to go back out there last year to mark the 10-year anniversary of that visit, but of course the pandemic changed plans. We will probably try it again this summer, though, especially since I just discovered that the ballpark will have some new restaurants to check out. There is Taps and Taco for fans of Mexican food. There's Batty's Pizzeria. You can almost never go wrong with a pizza joint, right? And there's another new spot, the Allegheny Grill. They have menu items including over-the-top nachos, a giant $12 pretzel, and, yes, a foot-long kielbasa for $20, that item, a foot-long kielbasa. And I'll tell you right here and right now, Bill, I've never had a foot-long kielbasa. No, me neither. And uh, for that price, I'm not sure I'm going to have one uh, yet. And, and I have to tell you, Chad, I've been to PNC Park many times. That's awesome. Because um, I was actually working out there for a little while. Cool stadium, really cool stadium. Uh, the only opening day, Chet, of baseball that I've ever seen was Phillies at Pirates. Uh, I've never seen one in Philly. Was, I haven't That's lived amazing. there for a long time, uh, full time. So, yeah, uh, it was in Pittsburgh that I saw my only opening day. Beautiful ballpark. What else you got, Bill? Well, I just want to say as part of my parting shot, happy 46th anniversary to legendary UCLA coach John Wooden's final NCAA championship, number 10 jet in a row. And uh, John Wooden announced his retirement right before that game. His team went out and won that game. And uh, as you know, he's my guy. John Wooden, probably, I don't know, I might have read everything the man had ever written. Uh, so, fun fun time, fun, fun guy. As I said today, he's on the Mount Rushmore of coaches for sure. A couple he, other he, things, he's, Bill. He's at the top of that. Oh, yeah, he's probably right at the top. Um, very quickly, happy birthday this week to three great rock and rollers, Bill. Eric Clapton, ACDC's Angus Young, and my old pal PJ. Eric is 76 Angus is 66. I'm not going to tell you how old PJ is. Also, Lady Gaga turned 35 the other day. And my favorite supermodel, Bill, Elle McPherson, just turned 57. So happy birthday, Elle. You're still my favorite supermodel. And I think you missed uh, Gabe Kaplan, not Gabe Kapler. Mr. Cotter. Welcome back. Your dreams are your ticket out. There you go. There you go. Wrap it up, Bill. Well, that's singing. <laughs> Let's wrap it up. Thanks to tonight's special guests, Paul Hagan and Kala Santiago, our sponsors, the Irish Rover Station House, Bob Sullivan's LikeYourAge.com, PPCC, 118 Raz Room, and Dave LaVoy of Allstate Insurance in Westchester. For Jim Chechesco, this is Bill Furman. We hope you enjoyed the show. We'll join Philly Press Box Radio next Wednesday, April 7th at 7 p.m. You can see us live on Facebook, listen to our website, phillypressboxradio.com, blogtalkradio.com slash radio, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, YouTube channel, Philly Press Box Radio. We're everywhere. High hopes, Philadelphia sports fans. I hope the end. <laughs>